This is a disclaimer. Ben and I do not actually agree or believe these conspiracy theories. Now, on to the show. Conspiracy talk. Today we begin with the 27 Club. Now, Ben, do you want to explain a little more on what this is? All right. The 27 Club is a group of people who are who have grown famous and then have mysteriously died around the age of 27. Members of this club include Jimi Hendrix, Amy Winehouse, and Kurt Cobain. And then if I pull up maybe a Wikipedia. Well, yeah, hmm? I, I have Wikipedia pulled up right now. All right. Although the claim of a statistical spike for de- the death of musicians at that age has been proven by research, it remains a cultural phenomenon. So, the names are often put forward for inclusion, but because the club is entirely nominal, notional, there is no official membership. Hmm. Let's see... Try to see if there's any other connections, says in the Wikipedia article. Okay. I'm going to join the 27 Club. John, no, please <laughs> don't. And I've got 10 years. Okay. Oh, no. Okay. Well, so, uh, I know that some of these people who have died, at least Kirk Cobain, anyways, have conspiracy theories that revolving around a death. Yeah, I know. Since, suppose. Yeah, but that might be a topic for another episode. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, other than that, I'm not sure how much information you have on the whole topic of the 27 Club. Uh, I mean, we could read some of this article, but or we could just move. Oh, wait, I think Juice. Wait, hold on a second. Juice oh, wait, never mind. I thought Juice World. Yeah, it, he says he referenced the club in his songs Legends when he says, What's the 27 Club? We ain't making it past 21. The song was dedicated to rappers XXS Tintation, who was murdered at 20, Lil Peep, who died at the died from overdose 21. Juice World died at the age of 21 from an accidental overdose. Wonderful. I so he said we ain't making it past 21, and he died at the age of 12. That's interesting. All right. I wonder if it was a murder. Let's not get into that. Guys, let's start 21 Club. That's what seems like it's going on at the moment. I'm kidding. Let's not. Or a 19 Club. You get it? Because COVID. I'll be 19 within a month, John. John, I'll be 19 within a month. Let's not go there. (laughs) All right, then. Okay, so the next Uh, top on the list is Dolce, New Mexico, or Dulce. I don't know how to say that. Do you know anything about this? Uh, I think... Uh, yes, I first found out about this from an episode of, I think it was UFO Hunters. Yeah. So what Dolce, or Dulce, whatever it's said, New Mexico is a, t- is a town, obviously, in say New Mexico. Small town, anyways. But there is rumored to be a uh, top-secret... 
military military base there that's underneath the nearby mountain or hill. And so anyways, what they believe happened to be going on there is that there's aliens and humans in that base working together on some stuff. And then I think some time... Oh, wait, there we go. Wikipedia, don't say base. So supposedly sometime, maybe the 70s or 80s, there was a battle between the humans and the aliens in there, and there were reported casualties. Right. I do remember talking Let's... about this before, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here, here's some parts from Wikipedia. Dolce Base is a subject of conspiracy theory claiming that a jointly operated human and alien underground facility exists under... Archuleta Mesa on the Colorado-New Mexico border near the town of Dulce, New Mexico, in the United States. Claims of alien activity there arose from Albuquerque businessman Paul Benowitz. Um, and then I've got a different article. I'm going to try and find yours. Okay, uh, mine's just called Dulce Base. Let's see, history. Starting in 1979, Benowitz became convinced that he was intercepting electronic communications from an alien spacecraft in installations outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I mean, outside of Albuquerque by the 1980s. He believed he had discovered a secret underground base near Dolce, populated by gray aliens and humans. The story spread rapidly within the UFO community, and by 1987, UFOologist John Lear claimed he had independent confirmations of the base's existence. In 1988, the tabloid Weekly World News published a story entitled UFO Base Found in New Mexico. Mexico, which claimed that diabolical invaders from another solar system had set up a secret underground base in the rugged mountains of northern New Mexico so they can Shanghai human guinea pigs for bizarre genetic experiments. The weekly world news stories used supposed quotes from UFOologist Leonard Stringfield as a source for its claim. Upon learning of the story, Stringfield protested, I never read such distortion of facts in my life. Political scientist Michael Bark run writes that the Cold War underground missile installations in the area may gave in the area gave superficial plausible plausible making well, Dulce Bay's story an attractive legend with the ufology. Yeah, what were you about to say? Have have we ta- I think we've talked about this before, like um aliens or supposed extraterrestrials taking over old I think we talked about this, the old US mil- military installations near Nevada. Yeah, I think we've talked about that. Could this be something similar to that? Like they found, or like they maybe even just found this old bunker in the hills, and they're now taking humans there to experiment on them. And wasn't there something about alien-human hybrids that we talked about before? With that area. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's what I think some people believe that's what's going on there. And then I think I also remember seeing and possibly a TV show I mentioned earlier, uh, UFO Hunters, that supposedly they had found a weird. Uh, okay, so they obviously they think the government's involved with this. And I think they mentioned. In that episode, if I'm thinking correctly, that they saw a Black Hawk helicopter, or they talked to someone who had claimed to see a Black Hawk helicopter near what looked like to be like a cow that had been like kind of mutilated. But whenever they went up to the cow, I think they cut it open, or they saw what was not too far from it. I guess it came out of the cow or something, and it was like this weird 
creature of sorts, and they don't really know what it was. This was near Dolce. Like some sort of experiment. I, yeah, I think this was near Dolce, New Mexico. I'd have to watch the episode again, but it's been a while. I could be confusing it with another episode that they showed on that, but yeah. Uh, also, make sure. Uh, also, also, I have a question. Are we going to put the disclaimer on this episode? Um, in post production. Uh, probably. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we will. Uh, okay. I did find something. New Mexico's cop says military is responsible for cattle mutilation seen near Dolce, New Mexico, and this is from the Huff Post. And there's also yeah, that sounds like it. The FBI vault. Okay, hold on a second. There's something going on with either our internet connection or one of our mics at the moment. It sounds kind of blah. Yeah, I hear it. I'm going to switch to data. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to read some more off this article. Okay, after the UFL bulge part I just mentioned earlier. According to Bargrain, claims about experiments on abductees and firefights between aliens in the Delta Force place, the Dolce legend well outside even the most far-fetched reports of secret underground bases. Residents of Dulce claim to have seen UFOs or moving lights and other unexplained sites in the area, which has little economic belt, which has little economic activity. Just Jakarla Apache Legislative Council President Ty Vincetti has embraced the notion of a Dolce base, partly in a push to stimulate tourism, and in 2016, the town hosted the Dolce Base UFO conference at the local casino hotel. Still there, John? And as the killing uh, or mutil- and mutilation of cattle under unusual, usually bloodless and anomalous circumstances, usually reported to be by supposed extraterrestrial uh, involvement. Yeah. So after Dolce, or Dolce, however you say it, is the military camouflage teleportation commonly known as the Philadelphia Experiment. So I'm going to do a little research here. Got it. Let's see. I think I read some of the Wikipedia article not too long ago, and it talked about how uh, that may have already also been debunked, but Eh, I mean, it's a good discussion to talk about because it's interesting because it's a cool what-if scenario. Exactly. All right. So, according to Wikipedia, the Philadelphia experiment is an alleged military experiment su- supposed to have been ca- that is supposed to have been I can't speak English, I'm sorry. That was supposed to be carried out by the U.S. Nil- military at the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania sometime around October 29th, 1943. All right. They used a U.S. Mm-hmm. Navy destroyer called the USS Eldridge to conduct an experiment, supposedly paranormal experiment, that rendered the ship invisible or cloaked to enemy devices. Hmm. Let's see. Do you want to talk about, like, 
what happened to the ship, or should we uh, well, wait? basically, according to uh, according to some naval officers, well, not naval officers because they ended up getting fused to the ship, but that's that's a story for later. So, basically, the USS Eldridge was supposedly teleported from somewhere out in the Atlantic, I believe it was the Atlantic, to... I thought it was in the Navy Yard when this happened. Well, they. my assumption is that they sailed out to the Atlantic because it talks about them sailing away towards England. Okay. So, basically, it teleported the USS Eldridge some, somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean back to the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard and obviously Pennsylvania. Uh, but so it, something had changed on Also, it says, uh, I'll say, uh, the, I'll say, uh, the article I'm on, it says, uh, Alinda claimed the destroyer escort USS Eldridge was rendered invisible, teleported to New York, teleported to another dimension where it encountered aliens, and teleported through time, resulting in the deaths of several sailors, some of whom were fused with the ship's hull. Yeah. Jessup dismissed Alinda, yeah, Jessup, and then it also says Jessup dismissed Alinda as a crackpot. I mean, if you believe that, are you technically a crackpot? I mean, probably, because I'm pretty... I'm, I think this says it's noted that they have reported everything about the USS Eldridge. since just records on the ship, since it actually existed, but I'm pretty sure there's records... I, I think it says there's records for the ship, and it says nothing like this ever really happened. Besides, I don't know how you get rid of uh, sailors fused to your boat. Um, well, I can think of one way. Would that be cutting them out? Yes. Okay, yeah, but, like, I'm pretty sure it, like, on the records for it, it would note the weird uh, holes and parts of the ship going, like, if they're trying to keep this classified, I'm pretty sure they're like, oh, we had to do repairs on certain parts of the ship because it was rusting or there was some sort of we had some sort of weapons malfunction or some sort of alter, well, I mean artillery, artillery that hit the ship or something well but, the best way to cover up any murder is obviously burn the evidence you want to burn the bodies that's fused with the ship no I want to burn the ship okay yeah that's if the whole ship I guess that's is susceptible way. to fire damage then they can't prove those holes aren't from the fire. Good point. Hmm. Welcome back to the podcast where we discuss murder. So I thought this was conspiracy theories. <laughs> I guess you could put murder in with conspiracy theories. Anyways. Technically. Uh, let's let's, let's yeah. uh, continue on to Roswell, New Mexico. Yeah. Got it. Let's see. I know this one's a pretty well-known conspiracy theory anyways. Yeah. So, uh, I'm looking at another Wikipedia article because there's nothing more reliable. It's it's titled The Roswell (laughs) UFO Incident, and according to the article, in mid-1947, a United States Army Army Air Force balloon crashed at a ranch near Roswell, New Mexico. Following wide initial interest in the crash flying disc 
the so-called crash flying disc, the U.S. military stated that it was a mere, merely a conventional weather balloon. Many believed this, but many of them didn't. When UFOologists began promoting a wide, a wide variety of increasingly elaborate conspiracy theories, one of which claimed that more alien spacecraft had crash-landed and that the extraterrestrial occupants had been recovered by the military, which then started the military to engage a cover-up. In the 1990s, the U.S. military published two reports disclosing the true nature of the crashed object, a nuclear test surveillance balloon from... Have you ever heard of Project Mogul? Maybe when looking at this conspiracy theorist a couple years ago when I was bored, but... I mean, conspiracy theory, not theorist, but... Yeah. Yeah. Possibly, but... So, basically, what everyone initially believed was back in 1947, um, aliens ended up crash-landing onto some farmland. And basically, there's this giant disc thing. It was probably the burst weather balloon. But we'll never know for sure unless we can find a picture. Yeah, or our dark or documents talking about what they found. Yes, Army reveals it has found flying disc on ranch in Mexico. Basically, there are a whole bunch of conspiracy—I can't speak—conspiracy theorists. Basically, a whole bunch of them have done whole books or whole research papers on the events at Roswell and have concluded that. The government is trying to hide something like this. And, okay, Ben, I've got a question for you. If this were to happen right now, somewhere in Kansas, do you think that the government would be able to, like with all the technology we have, do you think the government would be able to cover up something similar? I'm not sure. I mean... Like in a remote spot of Kansas, or just? Well, Ros- it, this crashed near the town of Roswell, so let's assume that it crashed near... Well, I mean, say... the article that I'm looking at said that... Hold on a second. Uh, sorry to interrupt. It said the crash site of the alleged UFO was some 75 miles, 121 kilometers from Roswell, and close to Corona. Ah, huh. What a um, nice name. That. What a coincidence to a time like this. <laughs> exactly. Oh, speaking of which, uh, I can't actually talk about it. That's fine. But imagine if this were to happen, say, um, say it were to happen in Cottonwood Falls, Kansas, which is 243 miles away from here. All right. Is that kind of a fairly remote part of Kansas or no? It is. Okay. So imagine if that were to happen there and the people of that town, which have quite a bit of technology at their disposal, what if, what if it were to happen there? What would, what do you think would happen? Well, obviously they'd probably post something about it on social media on why they're, why is there a very big military presence going through their town or being around their town? Yeah. 
And then uh, maybe since it's also like a military crash, I mean, since it's if it's a possible UFO crash site, and if there is actual alien occupants in it, they might could they put the town in quarantine in case of like these creatures have some sort of illness with them? It is possible. I've been there, and I believe the population is only like. I believe it's under a thousand. Give me a minute. You said this was Cottonwood, Kansas, right? Uh, Cottonwood Falls, Kansas. All right. Basically, it's a town near for people who live in um, in Kansas and have been there. It's near uh, Chase County State Fishing Lake. Okay, I, I, I've never been there, but actually I might have driven by it like when I was on my way to Yellowstone during the summer because a lot of the designs of the buildings look kind of well, familiar. Yeah. Like in one of these pictures. All right. So, All right, back to the topic. I was right. The population is about 875. So technically, they right. could go into quarantine lockdown. At least I think. Yeah. But what, like, and then, how would they, how would they hide that? Like, with all the technology that those people have, even when they're in quarantine. Uh, let's see. I can imagine they might have to say this is a top secret. Like, well, even then, air. F- uh, uh, let's see. Maybe they might stop communications from going out of town like they might shut off the internet somehow or like or take out the control tower yeah and then radio tower or whatever it is. how would you yeah well i mean if you cut off electricity to the communication tower that's it's pretty much down yeah yeah and then you gotta like i guess blockade maybe there's a city called several roads yeah there's a, there's, a what? there's a city called Strong City. I believe it's west of Cottonwood Falls. No, I'm wrong. It's north of Cottonwood Falls. It's basically okay. um it's a it's a city half a mile away. And okay. their their population is like two hundred, I believe. So it's two hundred? I mean it's it's tiny. Uh, four hundred and eighty nine people live there. It's, it's right. really small. Okay. So I guess they would have if there was something that happened to happen there. I guess they would have to maybe cut off both cities from the outside world. That's my thought. Or not towns, since these are like small towns, like you said. Yes. They- uh, our our town is bigger than Cottonwood Falls. Yeah. All right. Are so next topic on the list is the Winchester Mansion. Do you know anything about it? Uh, it's I believe it's owned by the same family that created the Winchester rifles. 
I'm looking. I'm, I'm reading. Because I remember. Because I looked up the other day and it's owned by like. Yeah, you are. The widow of the. Got it. Yeah. So basically. For the. After. Uh, Sarah Winchester's husband's death, husband's death from tuberculosis in 1881, Sarah Winchester inherited more than. $20.5 million equivalent to $543 million in 2019. She also received nearly 50% ownership of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Okay, so basically it's a haunted house and it's in San Jose, California. And she was absolutely terrified because her, ca- her house kept burning down. And she was afraid that, um, yeah, she was afraid that her husband would kill her in her sleep. Oh. Wonderful family. Wonderful. Yeah, let's see. I just looked it up on Google and it's a, there is the Winchester Mystery House, which I think may be the same place. And this is temporarily closed. Yes, it is. Does say why? COVID nineteen. Oh yeah, that 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 makes the sense. The entire country is now under mandatory quarantine, except for the state of Montana, because Montana just doesn't have people. Not many. Yeah, then then I guess most of the, it's. I'd say guess it's kind of one of the it's kind of remote in some areas. I'd say. Yeah. Since it seems like the. Northern states, some of them, like, I guess, I guess they have more remote areas than some of the other states. I'd say Alaska is definitely a lot, very remote. Yes. I'd say Wyoming has some remote areas. Hmm? Yeah. yeah. So what I'm looking at right now is that it is supposedly still haunted to this day. And... Um, um, okay, so many accounts attribute these oddities to be her belief in ghosts, meaning everyone that's worked for her. But environmental psychologist or psychologist, I can't, I can't read, I'm sorry. Psychologists have theorized that the odd layout itself contributes to the feeling of the house being haunted today. Wait, what contributes to it? The odd layout of the house. So my voice. The outlay of the house. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's pretty much all I know. So next, next, um, next theory, or uh, the next topic is the Shining Hotel. The I believe it's the Stanton Hotel. Okay. Got it. So the Stanley Hotel is it's in Estes Park, Colorado, and I've actually visited it before and it's pretty cool. Oh. Okay, so is this place also supposedly haunted or um I believe it was just used in the show. But we're going to find out when I find okay. the, there it is. 
Well, on the bright side, it looks it looks like I can still you can still check prices for dates on this yes. place. So yeah, it looks like he also died of tuberculosis. The tuberculosis club. Okay. <laughs> um. Let's just let's just make a club for everything now. Exactly the podcast club. You. Well, technically, you get a club. You get a club. Everyone gets a club. Exactly. Um, despite a peaceful early history, in the following years of the publication of The Shining, the Stanley Hotel has gained a reputation as a setting for activity that is known as paranormal. It has hosted numerous paranormal investigators and appeared in shows such as Ghost Hunters and Ghost Adventures. The, the hotel also offers a guide a guided day and night tour of its so-called spirited history. I'm doing quote uh, motions. The guests and visitors, which feature spaces re- reputed to be exceptionally active. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty much it for this episode. To be honest with you. All right. So with that, let's wrap it up. Bye. All right.